0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. And we're going to go ahead and jump directly into the sixth part of this series that we've called Paper Planes. And as we are have been looking at that, we've been looking at the concept of letting God Shape our lives, that like a a piece of paper that we we let God begin to come in and and, and dictate how we're going to be folded and shaped, and so that God can then begin to to move in our lives and take us to a place where we can become something that we never were before, and are able to do things we were never able to do before, and be able to to be shaped by God. To begin to truly soar in life. And that's what God has has called us to do. That our own will, the the weight of the world, our own disappointments, the opinions of others. All of these different things can begin to come and shape us and misshape us. And and take us into a place we were never called to be. And God wants us to be able to be shaped to soar. And we keep looking at this passage of scripture. And we look in there in your notes at Romans eight twenty-eight and verse twenty-nine. Again, we're looking at it in the message translation because sometimes we can get real used to a different translation, a, a standard translation, and feel like we kind of already know where this message is going, where it's going. So we're reading it in a, a slightly different translation to kind of interrupt our thought flow and let's look at this. Romans eight twenty-eight in the message translation reads. And that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son, which is Jesus stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. When we look at Jesus, we see more than just our Savior. We see an image of where God is taking us. And as we begin to study and we learn about Jesus, your Bible study should not simply be a journey of God discovery, but it should also be a journey of self-discovery because you are learning who you truly were meant to be. And so many times we'll look there into into the image of his word and then we see that we don't quite fit that place of Christ and we shouldn't get all freaked out about it. We shouldn't feel under condemnation about it. We should get excited that that's a place that if we give God rule and reign, he's going to begin to take us in a new direction. He's going to begin to do something fresh and reshape our lives. And so many times we can... We have this image of who Jesus is, and that's why we talk about Jesus a lot, and we go to the scriptures about Jesus a lot, because what we want to do is we want to take our social socialized version of Jesus, our super churchy Sunday school version of Jesus, and we want to see what the raw Word of God says about Jesus. And one of the things we can do is so many times we we have this this these concepts of Christ, and you say, well. Who is Jesus? Let's describe Jesus. Well, obviously, we're going to say things like Jesus was loving. Jesus was incredibly loving. That Jesus was all of these different things. But I think, sadly, a lot of us, when we begin to start to list the different things about who Jesus is, we begin to start to describe Jesus, I don't know that fearless is one of the top things that we would put Jesus. But Jesus was fearless. And it wasn't from this bold, brash guy who was like this, you know, this Chuck Norris in a dress. So we always said, why Jesus? He always has this blue sash, this blue pageant sash. Jesus wasn't a beauty contest winner. Why does he wear the sash all the time? I don't know what's up with that picture of Jesus. But he's always wearing the tunic and the beauty pageant sash. And so, and, and so but that's not Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter jesus had calloused hands jesus was a strong guy jesus was the kind of guy that when when he saw that they had taken the temple and they had turned it into a place of thievery and taken advantage of people who were just showing up to come to worship and there were these people who were taking advantage of it and created a den of thieves that jesus was a tough enough kind of guy that he braids this whip, goes in, he turns over tables, he cleanses the temple, he sends everybody out, and nobody, like, challenged him. If he was just like the little wimpy Jesus, then somebody would have gone, Joker, what are you doing? And kind of got him in a headlock and taken him out of there. Because he was messing up their cash flow. Jesus was fearless. And so many times when we, when we have this idea of fearlessness, we have that messed up, western, Chuck Norris, John Wayne fearlessness. But there is this amazing idea of what true fearlessness looks like in Jesus. That we see Jesus is fearless and touches the leper. Nobody touched a leper, you were gonna get leprosy. But the healer shows up and he wanted to show compassion and he fearlessly reaches out and touches the leper. Jesus on a boat with a bunch of sailors heading across the ship and across the sea, and storm comes in, and Jesus is asleep in the storm, resting in the middle of it. Such fearlessness such rest. They're all freaking out saying, don't you care if we die? He stands up, he rebukes the winds and the waves and gets onto them for being so fearful. Jesus is completely fearless. Jesus is so fearless, he hung out with people of bad reputation. You know, that we already talked about the fear of people's opinions and, and what that can do to us. And so many times as the church We cannot go into different places and do different things because we are being afraid of being associated with the people that need God. And we can all of a sudden, this fear can come in and Jesus was fearless. He wasn't afraid to be around people that needed God. Even though it maybe made him look like he was associated there. Jesus was fearless on so many different amazing levels. And so today as we're looking at being reshaped. You need to understand that God is taking you into a place of being fearless. Fearless like Christ. Not this crazed western bravery kind of fearless. But this understanding that everything is good and everything is fine. And you have a heavenly father that's on your side. And you can walk into the middle of the storm. And the one who has control of it all is with you. And you'll have to put on a brave face. This fearlessness of God is there on the inside of you. See, so being shaped by God means letting love cast out all fear. Whether uh having our seven kids, we've got to to do a lot of cool stuff and and Help our children learn how to begin to, to walk in a place of faith. And we've done, I've already, one of the roller coaster series. I told y'all that we like to do roller coasters with the kids. Because it helps them get on, do something that can be scary. But you know it's going to be safe. It's, we're going to get off. We watch people get on and they, they get off. And everybody's fine. And you can kind of make a decision that we're going to face fear. And that everything's going to be okay. And And so we... Years ago, when Weston was about Weston was about three, three and a half years old, and he's 18 years old in Bible school now. And and um, we had a, the house we lived in had a detached garage, so we'd pull up to in front, park in front of the garage, and then you had to walk through the backyard to get to the back door. And we didn't have good lighting back there, so it was it was dark. And this was Weston's backyard. This was my kids' backyard. They played in this backyard. They knew this backyard. Their swings were in that backyard. This was their backyard. And, and, uh, but at night, it was kind of it spooky. It's kind of scary. So here's little Weston, and, and Lulu's in the car seat. So we're undoing Lulu and getting her out. And I tell Weston, I tell him to go stand by the back door. So just stand up there, meet me at the back door. So, man, Weston is standing at the gate, and he's looking into his backyard. And I'm like, Weston, Weston, go. Go in there. He's like, daddy, daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, I'm scared. And I'm like, Weston, it's your backyard. You, you, don't, you don't have to be scared. But daddy, I'm scared. And he's like, Weston, it is completely fine. You don't have to be scared. So he finally waits, and we walk up together and, and do it. And the next time we have this moment, I had a conversation. I said, Weston, you're going to have to remind yourself it's your backyard. Everything's fine, and you don't have to be scared. And so a couple of nights later, we're in the same situation, and Weston walks up to that gate, and he looks back over his shoulder and says, Daddy, am I scared? And I was like, Well, at least he's asking. And I was like, No, son, you're, you're not scared. And he sits there, and he looks in that backyard, and he starts going, I'm not scared. I'm not Garrett. I'm not Garrett. And he he walks up. And after a couple nights, he was completely fine. But he was at least smart enough to go, I can't trust my own feelings. And I'm going to look to Daddy, who loves me and knows more than me, to decide if I need to be scared or not. And he asked, Daddy, am I scared? Let's look at Romans 8.15. It says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. This whole thing of being a Christ follower isn't just about shifting where we're afraid. That all of a sudden now, instead of being afraid of these other things, now I'm afraid of a new set of things. And now I'm afraid of a new uh, set of influences and whatnot. No, we've been set free from fear. We've been set free from it. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Fear is a, is a slave driver. It will own you if you let it. And as we've been looking at these different things of forgiving ourselves and and forgiving others and and getting over this place of of people's opinions and, and our own disappointments, that at the root of all of those different things, you get to the bottom and there's this little place of fear that tries to come in. We don't want to forgive because we're afraid they'll do it again. We don't want to forgive ourselves because we're afraid We'll do it again. We don't want to let go of the opinions of others because we're afraid of what they're going to think and what they're going to say. We don't want to have hope and get over disappointment because we're afraid we'll be disappointed again at the bottom of this thing. What holds us back from God, letting God really reshape our lives is so many times we're we're just afraid. We're just afraid. I love it that today, we didn't discuss this. I didn't give Nat a heads up on the songs we needed to sing. But I love that today as a, as a congregation, we sing. Chains fall. Fear bow. Hear now. Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you change everything. We don't have to let fear rule in our lives anymore because the truth is fear can cripple us from letting God shape our lives let's look at a story Jesus told in Matthew 25 it says then the man who received the one talent for those of you who've been doing this Jesus thing for a while you're probably familiar with the parable of the talents and that Jesus had, says this this king had, had given these different amounts of talents these five two and one and they are able to go out and 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 do things with them. And one guy, the guy who got the least, was scared. And he just held on to it. He just buried it. It says, the man who had received the one talent. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now when you read this parable, he's the only one that says this. The other ones don't say, man, I knew you were hard I knew you were tough, and so I worked my tail off, and I doubled the five and turned it into ten. No, they simply embraced the opportunity, and they doubled it and said, Master, here it is. I have, here's your five, and here's five more. Here's two, and here's two more. Here are these. And, and, and awesome things have happened. And here's this one guy who in his mind, in his own mind, that... This guy was was mean and terrible. And he gets on to him. He says, and so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. And here is what belongs to you. Here it is. I was so afraid. I just absolutely did nothing. Well, that guy gets rebuked and that guy gets called wicked. And us on the outside could go, well, that's kind of harsh. I could see that if he squandered it, if he threw it away, if he if he didn't invest it well, you might call him wicked, wicked, but the guy who you got your money back, why are you saying you're he's wicked? But his mindset, his processes, they were wicked. They thought wicked of the master. He simply wanted self-preservation. There was no love, there was no honor, there was no anything in there. And so many times it will just. It'll just make you stop in your tracks. Fear just stops you in your tracks. And so what I want us to look at as we move forward is being able to reverse that process. Look, so many times when we feel ourselves sinking into fear, we need something to stand to begin to stop that process and reverse it and start coming up out of that. You've been around Celebration Church for any length of time. You've heard me tell the story of my pawpaw falling into the septic tank. Yeah, it's a bad deal. No, Pawpaw falls in and throws his arms out and catches himself across the opening of this backed up, full (laughs) septic tank. And he needs to get out. But he's holding himself up. And doesn't want to move his arms together to pull himself up out because then he's going to (laughs) sink. The whole face thing. In the cess. And uh, so he reaches around with his foot, which is creepy all by itself in there. And finds a little place where the guy who poured the concrete septic tank, there was some extra concrete on the wall. And he grabs a toehold. And he's able to support himself on that place and then begin the process of coming out. So many times, well, that's how we feel. We feel like, man, we've made a slip up. We've made a mess up. We're in, in it up to our neck. And we just get paralyzed with fear. And to get, begin to get out of that place and literally out of that mess, we need some toeholds to grab a hold of. So here we are. First toehold is that knowing that God is at work, it sets us free from fear. we got to know that God's at work. We got to know he's there and he's, he's doing things in our lives. Let's look at Matthew 1 verse 20. This is a good old story of, of uh, the virgin birth. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. They haven't been married yet, haven't touched each other in, uh, in, in, in any kind of inappropriate way. And Mary shows up pregnant. And uh, Joseph is, of course, really upset about this. Uh, he knows it isn't his. And he's ready to put her away quietly. Which is incredibly generous because the Jewish law said that he could have her stoned as a harlot. He could have her stoned as an indulgent and, and they could kill her. So he's just going to be cool about it and just kind of put her away quietly. But here he has an angelic visitation in verse 20. He says, but... After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to move forward here because I'm at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. And maybe nobody else is going to understand this. Maybe nobody else is going to wrap their mind around the miracle that's taking place here. But when you are sure that God's at work, all of a sudden, this place where you're sinking in fear and backtracking and trying to walk out of some plans you already had and some direction you were already going in, then now all of a sudden, this place where you know that God is at work, man, it becomes a toehold for you go, no. I'm not sinking back into this fear. I'm not stepping back into that place. We're going to stand on the promise of God. Hebrews thirteen six says, So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. God's helping me. God's at work. He's on my side. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? See, knowing that God loves and values us sets us free from fear. It's another place. It's another place that is a toehold against this thing of fear. This is why we talk at Celebration Church so much about the truth that God loves you. That He's for you. That God demonstrated His own love for you and that He sent Christ. And that is a big deal. It's the biggest understanding we can, we can get about God is that He loves you. And it's a we need this because it's the foundation for everything we do in Him. Let's look at Matthew 10, 29. It says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? You got to get two of these things together just to get your pennies worth. Aren't two sparrows sold for one penny? Yet now, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. If God is, has his eye there, if his eye's on the sparrow, don't you think? Don't you think that his eye's on you too? That he values you and he values what's happening? So many times when we get trapped in fear, we we have the same moment that the guys in the boat had when Jesus was asleep. Jesus being fearless freaked them out. It made their fear level go up. They would have been more comfortable with Jesus with a pail saying, Boys, throw the water. This is serious. They would have rather, rather Jesus been at the oars coaching them along instead of being fearless and asleep. They wanted a slightly panicky Jesus. They'd have felt better with a little, a little bit of freaked out Jesus instead of a sleep Jesus. Because then there'd have been, at least you're aware of what's happening. He was, he was cool, he was fine. And when they wake Jesus up, wake him up, and the boat's doing all this thing, and they think it's going to come apart, and they wake Jesus up and they say, Don't you care if we drowned? I'm in my storm and I'm pretty sure you don't care. And Jesus was in the boat. Folks, the enemy wants to come in so many times. And in the middle of your storm and in the middle of what you're going through and try to whisper. He goes, man, God seems a little quiet. He must not care. He must not care seems like your God's asleep. He must not care. That is not the truth at all. He is with you and, and present and in power and ready to change everything. The enemy wants to come in and lie and tell us that we don't matter. 1 John 4 verse 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. We're being shaped and molded like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. That's why we love. That's why we make this connection. See, God's love shapes us to live courageously, which is the most excellent way. This courageous, bold love is what creates this place. Of fearlessness. Let's wrap this up and let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at the last verse of 12. Because remember Paul, when he's writing this, he's not creating a little chapter. And this is my one idea for this chapter. And then we've put chapters and verses so we can find stuff. Okay, It's just a letter. It's just flowing. So verse twelve thirty-one is completely connected to 13:1. So here Paul writes... But eager, eagerly desire the greater, grit, greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am Nothing. I am nothing. Now we're supposed to have a mountain moving kind of faith. That's the kind of faith God wants us to have. But if it's apart from love, it's, it's, it's been missed. He wants us to understand Him. He wants us to grow in knowledge and, and these mysteries and all these things. But if it's, if it's been divorced from love, been separated from love, then it doesn't mean anything. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, perfect love, it casts out all fear. Those guys could have been resting with Jesus in that boat. Who knows what the dramatic outcome would have been. Jesus walked on water in the middle of a storm. Who knows what would have happened. They'd have been all at a place of peace and knowing God's form. Who knows what kind of miraculous thing would have taken place. They'd just be at a place of peace knowing that they're loved. First Corinthians 16 says, "Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men, be people of courage. be strong and do everything in love." See this place of fearlessness? It's not about just this raw, bold bravery. It's about knowing that you're loved. When you know that you're loved by God. When you know that he's for you and with you. Then the waves of life, the storms of life, the mess. Man, all of a sudden it doesn't have the weight it once had. It doesn't create the fear and the panic that it once had. And you can walk in a place of being truly, truly shaped by God and not by the fear of life. See, our bottom line today is let God's perfect love drive out all fear. My prayer for you today is that you grow in such an awareness of the love of God that it begins to reshape everything about you. These places where you are fearful, you just put it aside. Just put it aside. We look to our daddy. We look to him. And let him speak into our lives and determine whether it's time to be concerned or not. We let him speak into our lives. And let hear his voice remind us that we are loved and he is with us. That doesn't mean there's not going to be storms. It doesn't mean there's not going to be stuff that happens. It means that we don't have to fear the outcomes. It means we don't have to be shaped by it. See, when God does the shaping, we can live our lives